am your host, Nihal Qatar. As always, I'm joined by my brother, Sahil. How you doing, Sahil? First week of the NBA season in the books. I'm doing well. It's been a fun NBA season so far. I'm very excited to have the league back. I was shocked last night when I watched the Jazz pull out an overtime win against the Pelicans to cap off a three-game winning streak to start the season after beating the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves as well. You had Kelly Olynyk and Lowry Markkinen scoring buckets in the clutch. I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they have some players, right? And that's something we kind of talked about, but we'll see what they do. Um, I mean, if, if they keep on... I mean, I don't expect them to keep on winning, but if they do, maybe they hold on to some of their trade pieces? What do you think? you think Jordan Clarkson is staying in Utah, or do they trade them so they can tank? <laughs> I think they trade them so they can tank, because it's just like, I think, I mean, once you're traded Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, your two best players, I feel like you have to just go. I feel like you already admitted that you're fully punting. But I mean, yeah, I, I think I think they have to go full take at some point. But, you know, I think they'll lose games naturally before that. I think there is a little bit of fool's gold here. No, no, absolutely. Uh, but it's encouraging for when they do tank and hopefully for them get a top pick that they have these guys who can actually, you know, who can play. Yeah, like Jared um, Vanderbilt, like that that was sneaky. No one really talked about that in the Gobert trade, but he could be a really useful role player on a good team, as he was. Yeah, I think we did talk about it. That's why you should listen to us <laughs> than everybody else. Um, no, but it's been, I agree, it's been a fun NBA season. I feel good. I destroyed you in week one of fantasy basketball. Well, which, Darius you know, Garland got injured, awesome. so that's... Well, you know, that's neither here nor there. Scotty <laughs> Barnes got hurt for me, but um, I did just acquire Jokic, so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about my Well, I'm the commissioner, so I have to approve the trade, I believe. I can veto it, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All I'm going to say is that, that that trade was offered to me. So I, I feel like it's fair. Um, yeah, uh, so today, well, first, first things first, a little housekeeping. We are going to be recording weekly uh, with a weekly upload on Tuesday, barring, you know, unforeseen circumstances or World Cup matches <laughs> coming up in November. Uh, but today we are going to be doing three takeaways or questions coming out of week one of the NBA season. Of course, it's, it's only been one week, so we're going to try not to overreact, but uh, just a fun thing to do after the first week, see where we are and take stock of the situation across the NBA. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start with my first one. Uh, we have three each. My first one's a question, and it's regarding the Los Angeles Clippers. And, you know, it, when we have been talking about the Clippers, the two biggest issues for me have been their interior defense uh, and their lack of, you know, real ball handler besides, I guess, Reggie Jackson on the team. And they don't, they don't really have someone who can truly uh, initiate offense. Kawhi has really evolved in, in his passing game. So once he gets fully healthy, I mean, he can do that. But they don't really have that third guy. They have a lot of players who would be really good fourth and fifth options on the team. So my question that dawned on me while watching them on Thursday, last Thursday against the Lakers, is can John Wall be that third guy? Can he be that dude? And, you know, even he played extremely well on Thursday. Uh, he looked quick. Uh, he looked like he had some of his old burst back. Uh, he was decisive in the paint. And then last night, on Sunday night rather, um, he played another really good game, 7 for 12 from the field, 2 for 4 from 3. Uh, with 17 points and four assists and zero turnovers. So, like, I mean, can, can he be that? I guess I'm asking you the question. Can he be that dude? Because, remember, Reggie Jackson, the Clippers were not an interesting case last year, obviously, because Kawhi was hurt, so I mean, no one really paid attention to them. And Reggie Jackson played so well the last time we saw them make a run in the playoffs. It kind of went under the radar that he was not very good last year, and he has not been that great to the start of this season. So I think John Wall not only just being a decent player will help with some of their issues, but it also might he also might ha end up having to have more minutes because of Reggie Jackson's struggles. What do you think, though? I'm posing the question to you. Can John Wall be the third dude? Is he the third dude? The well, I think he has the potential to be the third most important player if they make a run here. I don't necessarily think he'll be the third best player in terms of just overall talent and, like, 
scalability of what he would bring to every team in the NBA. I think in this, this specific case, the Clippers do need a player like that who can get downhill, who can bend a defense, who's not just exclusively, who's really going to put pressure on the defense, force help, and be able to dish out to open three-point shooters, which they have a plethora of on the starting lineup and on the bench. Um, his mid-range shot has looked really good this year. Um, I mean, they don't have a shortage of people who can hit that shot, of course, with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, even Marcus Morris, and a few others. But um, yeah, he's looked good there. He's getting downhill and getting to the rim. He's been, I think, pretty good in transition as well. Um, the three-point shot's not falling quite yet. It's only it's still early though, so we'll see if he can do that. And even even if it's not hit, even if he can't hit that shot, if he's in lineups without Zubats or where they're playing small, it's okay for him to have the ball and be the only subpar shooter on the court, which really could be a reality with given how good their shooting is. So, um, yeah, I think he could be really important as a change of pace for for this team that's, you know, that can sometimes get in the mud late in games. Absolutely. And so I think if I, if I'm the Clippers right now, and we obviously have to wait a few weeks um, and see, you know, where John Wall is, I think you, I, I personally think they should start shopping Reggie Jackson and trying to get uh, a five and, you know, they, they can play uh, small ball really effectively with all their rangy wings, but I, I do think if they can get someone better than Zubats, and maybe, you know, maybe Zubats is good enough. Like, I feel like he always kind of gets dunked on metaphorically and literally. So I do think it would be good for them to get a, a, another rim protector. And Reggie Jackson could be an attractive piece uh, to get someone like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think Zubac, it depends how much they really want to lean into small ball, which when they're fully cooking and Kawhi is at a normal minutes load, um, which we'll see. I mean, it's the Clippers, so they might he might never truly be playing a lot of minutes in the regular season and a lot of games in the regular season. But it depends, you know, because I think Reggie Jackson, as you said, was a very helpful piece and could be worth keeping. But And Zubac maybe could fill that role sufficiently if they're playing small ball like most of the time. But I agree with you. I mean, ha- getting a player like Miles Turner wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily hurt because he can space the floor as well as be that more traditional rim protector, of course. But uh, we'll see if they have the goods to do it. I mean, they definitely do, but how much they really want to give up from their identity. Well, yeah, and, and Miles Turner is an interesting case because the Pacers are in all likelihood tanking. It's, it's hard for me to tell with them, honestly. Um, but we have heard that maybe they will trade Miles Turner and Buddy Heald for Russ and a couple of picks. And it's, it's those picks that are attractive, right? So the, do the Clippers really have anyone that the Pacers would take and that would really help the Pacers. I don't know, but there's got to, there probably is someone out there that they could trade for that, that would help them um, in that respect. But anyway, I'm just really excited about John Wall. It was so much fun to watch him or it is so much fun to watch him play well, especially after he's had such a rough few years here. People definitely have written him off and rightly so. I mean, the, the last few time, the last time we saw him play basketball, he wasn't very good. Um, so it's exciting, and, and I really do hope he can be that third guy. Yeah, I mean, and the biggest thing, of course, is, like, he can play perfectly, you know, capable basketball, but he's got to stay healthy, and, I mean, obviously, some of that is out of his sure. control, and it's an unfortunate part of the story of his career, but he's got to, we got to see him, it'll be great if we can see him come playoff time, because, like you said, it's been a bumpy road. Sure, and he's, he's only, he did sit out uh, one of the games this season already, and he's playing about 20 minutes a game. Um, the Clippers, man, they have... Uh, the, their regular season is going to be really interesting to watch and, and see how they handle everything going on with them. All right, let's go to your first takeaway or question. Yes, What's my next? first takeaway. I don't really think I've phrased any of these as questions, but maybe maybe I'll change one of them. Actually, okay, I, I can phrase this as a question. <laughs> Tatum has added to his offensive game, and I guess my question is, is he going to become a consensus top five guy by the end of this season? Um, he has been... Re- on a tear this season he's been absolutely ridiculous he's shooting 64 percent in the short mid-range which is unsustainable but really exciting he's added a little bit of a floater to his game which he's never particularly had he's always been kind of rough in that short mid-range area even if he's taking shots there he's also shooting 82 percent at the rim which is just crazy obviously unsustainable again he hit a super smooth sidestep three to bury the magic on saturday he's averaging a ton of points a game his footwork looks even better and it just feels like he's making great decisions. Like he's more decisive going to the basket, using his physicality. I've liked him using his size um, really well, not just using his size to like get into a, 
uh, turnaround jumper, but just like really backing guys down and getting and ones near the rim. Um, I mean, what have you seen from Tatum so far? Because I, I think he's looking like the player that we've kind of always theoretically alluded to. Like if he can put it all together for an entire season, this is, this could be like a top five guy. And it looks like he's kind of, um, he looks like what he looked like against Brooklyn in the first round of last year's playoffs right now. Well, well, to me, he's clearly the, the guy outside of the top five right now, um, outside the consensus top five, I should say, that has the best chance of, of making that leap. Um, and also, you know, I think some of these guys like, you know, Kevin Durant or Kawhi, LeBron, like they're, they're going to not be considered top five after the season. Um, but I mean, more to your, your actual point. Uh, yeah, no, I've been, I've been extremely impressed uh, with Tatum. I mean, he's been on an absolute tear this season. And kind of like you mentioned, what's really impressed me is it seems like he's add some, added some variation into his scoring arsenal, which is, you know, something that we've been asking for. Um, and something that he needed to add to his game. Um, you know, the next step is maybe be even becoming a better facilitator, which is something that they, they need. Uh, but I, I do think there are signs there this year, this season already. And, you know, I, I do think where he struggled, uh, especially against the Warriors too, was some of that consistent uh, scoring. <laughs> you know, he's, he's incredible at scoring really difficult shots. But if he can just add those those counters in the paint like that he, we've seen so far this season, I think he's going to, yes, he's clearly going to be a top five guy in the league after the season. In my mind, he's already a top five player in the NBA right now. So, uh, I mean, is he in your top five or no? Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's like a projecting exercise, which I think like a lot of like the top, like the, the top 100 list that like everyone comes out with before the season are like kind of projecting for the season. So for doing right. that, I guess maybe I'd have him in the top five. I'd have to kind of think think about it. But I, I agree with one of your points there. It's like Tatum's always had this ability to... So we talk about Giannis and he's developed some great counters to his game, right? And I feel like Tatum mm-hmm. always had these awesome counters that he can get to because of his release point and size. But now he's using them more as counters and actually using his physicality, getting downhill, his footwork, and getting better shots more often, right? And then doing the difficult stuff when he needs to, which is really important, especially in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, I didn't even mention what he's done defensively. He's been awesome. Their starting lineup has allowed a 96 defensive rating this year, um, which is amazing. Would be I, It's probably not going to stay there, but that would be the best defensive. I mean, that, that is the best defensive rating in the NBA right now per cleaning the glass. And... Boston's 3-0 right now, have two wins against big Eastern Conference competitors in in the Sixers in Miami. It was a little close against Orlando, but that was on the second night of a back-to-back. So, yeah, I mean, you know, nothing nothing solves chemistry issues like winning, and I shouldn't even say chemistry issues, really. You know, it was mostly a coaching front office debacle, and I guess there was some chemistry stuff with Jalen Brown um, thinking that he might be in a Kevin Durant trade and all that kind of stuff, but... You know, winning winning helps a lot with that stuff. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't think that the Kevin Durant. It doesn't seem like that really affected them. Um, so I, they look they look fantastic uh, this season, and and when he, yeah, I mean, I guess technically, like shooting over people and being able to hit difficult shots is a quote unquote counter. But to me, when I use that, like it's more of you know, this is how I'm usually defended, and this is how I'm, how I'm going to get a good shot. Like that's my counter. Uh, and that's what we've seen with his floater and with right. his um, little setback in the paint. So exciting stuff in Boston. They are definitely, um, if not the best, one of the best teams in the East. And just going back to the top five thing, it's not a big deal. But to me, there's only three guys that are clearly ahead of him right now. Maybe four if you throw Steph in there. And that's Giannis, Luka, and uh, Jokic. Do you, do you disagree with that? Am I forgetting someone? I mean, maybe Kevin Durant, but I mean, is he though? Is he really right now? I think those three are the ones that it's hard to make an argument. It's hard. It, it, it would hard. It would be hard for me to make an argument that Tatum is ahead of those three. KD, I think I would also put a, still still put ahead of Tatum. But after that, I think he can. You can argue him over any of the remaining guys. Sure. At the very least, those are the three guys that are not going to fall out of the top five this season. Um, and Steph. I guess probably won't either. Oh, so yeah, I guess step, uh, well, the, step two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's a pretty trivial discussion. Like you know, the top six could be way better than the next four. 
um, in, in any given year or vice versa. So it's not really that big of a deal. He is playing like an MVP candidate right now, though, which I guess is the true measure of uh, him taking that next step. Um, all right. So do you want, why don't we do your second one? Why don't we do a little snake action here? <laughs> Let's do your second takeaway. Okay. Um, the title of this in my, <laughs> in my notes is Benedict Matherin, Holy God. Um, <laughs> sixth overall pick from Arizona. Absolutely. This, this guy, he just looks so ready for the NBA transition threes off the dribble threes, pull up threes in the faces of defenders. Like they're not even there. He can just shoot the ball in a variety of different ways. Halliburton threw him a couple lobs and transitions. He's just got that dog in him as the kids say. <laughs> and he hit five, he hit five threes against the Pistons on Saturday He's just a capital S scorer, and I think that's going to really complement Halliburton's high basketball IQ and just his ability to make his teammates uh, better around him. I think that's definitely going to apply to Matherin as it already has this season. And um, he's averaging 24 points a game and six rebounds right now, and it's only been a few games, but like that's ridiculous to come into the league doing that stuff against against NBA players. And he's shooting 52% from three, and... The Pacers are 19 points per 100 possessions better with him on the court. Again, small sample, but like I, I, I love, I love, have, I've loved watching this guy so far. He's, he's, I, I, I kind of wish that I remember I said on the, the last podcast I was thinking about doing Benedict Matherin for Rookie of the Year. I ended up going with Paolo, and Paolo's had some nice performances too so far. But um, I, I, I kind of wish I could go back and say Benedict now. Well, you can you can say it right now. I mean, it's only been three games, but I guess he has been excellent. I honestly, I have not watched a minute of the Pacers this year, so I'm excited this week to to watch them. Um, I can't really say how he's looked, but I've been hearing about him, and uh, you know, it looks like, I mean, just looking at his his raw numbers, like that is incredible for the first three games of, of your NBA career, like you said. Um, it's it's funny because, uh, well, I don't know, like so. Uh, background this 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 is probably boring for for a good section of people but um you and i like we have uh like a, an online my league and 2k with our our friends and like two 2k's ago um someone drafted benedict matherin like two years down the road and he was like an all nba player and we were like who is, who yeah is i think this he guy? hit like 18 threes in a game or something <laughs> yeah exactly i mean but uh, He's shooting 52% from three this year, right? This now. is why video so, games are very <laughs> instructive, right? And they're very important Absolutely. for basketball analysis and really all walks of life. But I, Absolutely. I, um, I was also impressed with how he was using the glass. He had a, he had a lot of and ones that I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like he's not in the starting lineup right now, but he's still getting like some of the most minutes on the team. So I think he's definitely on his way into, um, into being in that conversation. And He's helping the Pacers actually have the eighth best offense in the league right now for cleaning the glass, which is, you know, definitely higher than they probably will end up. And I think they have a really special pairing with that with those two guys in Halliburton and and Matherin. And I think this could actually be a sneaky cool victor destination, especially assuming Miles Turner gets traded. Yeah. I, I think it is in their best interest to just get rid of some of those pieces um, and tank. Uh, it's you know, even even someone like like Chris Duarte has he been playing? I like I said I haven't I haven't watched. Yeah, it. he's had a bit of an up and down start. Uh, but I, okay. he he I he's still a player that like I feel like is gonna know how to how to how to score against a variety of defenses and could be a good uh, 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 important part of a good team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's another interesting guy because he's not really that young, uh, even though it's he he hasn't played that many years in the league. But all right, uh, let's go to my second takeaway. Uh, which is the Bucks have evolved, and I think they're even better than we've seen in the past, and that's without Chris Middleton and without Pat Connaughton playing at uh, the beginning of this season. And to me, I think the bigger news is on the defensive end, but I've also seen encouraging signs on the offensive end in terms of you know how they have evolved. And the big thing the last few years has been you know, the Bucks are going to protect the paint, um, and they're going to allow you to shoot the three-pointer. And uh, that's just, that's been the case for the last three or four years. Um, I mean, last year, 42% of the shots they gave up were from three. The year before that, 38.9%, 39 and then the year before that, 39%. 
Um, you know, the last uh, four years, they've been last in the NBA in terms, or they've given up the most threes per game in the NBA. Um, and then they, in, in 2020, 2021, they gave up the 28th most threes. And I think we have legitimately seen in those four years just an improvement in the average shooting in the NBA. And it's kind of become untenable for them to just continuously give up open threes. And in the past, they tried to give up, you know, only above the break threes. But they do, they do tend to also, they have tended in the past to overhelp from the corner. So um, we have seen them adjust before in the finals against the Suns. They did completely take away the corner three after the first two games. And that really helped them uh, win the series. But, I mean, this season already, we've seen um, only... Only 20% of the shots they've given up this year, and it's been two games, obviously, but only 20% of the shots they've given up this year is are, are three-pointers, which obviously is a stark difference. They, in the past four years, they were giving up almost double that. Um, so we've, we've really seen that intentional change. They, they sort of teased that in the, in the offseason, um, in, in the preseason, rather, and, you know, that they were practicing this, having players stay home, and take away that corner three, and where in the past they would have collapsed on the the ball handler in the paint, um, or just whoever's in the paint, uh, if that's the five or the four or whatever. So um, on defense, I think the Bucks have evolved, and that's only going to make them more well-equipped to do well in the playoffs, and I personally think it makes them scarier. And uh, if they can get Jay Crowder, who it's been rumored that they, you know, well, Shams reported they're in negotiations, or they have been in contact with the Suns for Jay Crowder, that would be a great piece for them as well. Um, and then on offense, uh, you know, you mentioned it, and I went back and watched it. I think it's definitely true. Uh, there just was a lot more off-ball action, and the Bucks' half-court offense has not been great um, ever since Mike Budenholzer has gotten there. So just seeing some more off-ball action, I think, is really encouraging for them and might help them unlock, um, you know, unlock their crunch time offense because without Chris Middleton there, there's really no one besides Giannis. There's no one to really bail them out and, and take those tough shots. Uh, and we just see, like, we see Drew, Drew Holiday's, his his averages with, with Chris not there are just not that good. Um, so if they can use this time without Chris to really practice their half court and, and getting good shots for maybe some of their other role players, uh, I think that could be really, really beneficial for them. Anyway, that was a, that was a long <laughs> soliloquy about the Bucks, but... What do you think? Have you seen the same things? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot, a lot of what you said. I do think um, I generally, you know, I, I will be okay with if the numbers kind of bear themselves out that at the end of the day, the rim is the most important thing that the Bucks are protecting, and I think that's led them to be a very effective defense. It's more, I guess, some sometimes the league absolutely caught on to what the Bucks were trying to do. And, you know, I think back to that bubble series, that first round against Nikola Vucevic and the Orlando Magic. Vucevic just getting these open pick-and-pop threes every single possession. And even even if you're allowing an average shooter to shoot above the break threes, that's fine. And I think in the grand scheme of things, you're going to take that. But when it's so easy, when the other team knows we can get into this action and you are going to have a wide-open three, eventually you're going to see that Grant Williams might, might hit a bunch of threes exactly. against you in the playoffs. And I think... That you can give up threes, and I'm fine. I'm fine with that. But it's got to be a little bit more unpredictable, and you got to trust Brook Lopez and Giannis to protect the rim a little bit more by themselves. And I think they can do that. But like I said, I, I, I'm I'm okay if Giannis is always going to be roving off um, the weakest shooter on the team. Like like I'm 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 okay with that because Giannis. That's what Giannis is arguably the best in the league at. So right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Chris Middleton is definitely important to getting their half court offense back into the swing of things. I think. In reality, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot that they can do um, to improve that until he gets back, unless we see big steps from like from like Wara again in second units or something. I don't really see it, um, but it's just been so refreshing. Like in the Sixers game, Giannis saw that matchup with PJ Tucker and just didn't force it. Whereas in the past, like a few seasons ago, Giannis might get three offensive fouls and then maybe later in the second half, it's finally spam Chris Middleton, Giannis pick and roll. Now it's like Giannis is like, okay, I'm playing against Joel Embiid and PJ Tucker. I'm not just going to be able to um, get to the rim at will in the half court. So I'm going to pick my spots, whether that be in transition or I'm just going to set screens with, with uh, you know, the perimeter players around me do dribble handoffs with Grayson Allen and I can, I can get the ball on the move in a pick and roll situation and, and 
and score there efficiently like he did against the Sixers. He was he was fairly efficient even though it wasn't on a good volume and I think that's cuz he read the he read the game beautifully. Absolutely, absolutely. And and I want to amend something I said. I said they gave up they have given up 20% of the shots they've given up this year. Three that that's I I messed up there. 20, they've given up um the opponents have been shooting 20% from 3, but 28% of their shots have uh that they've given up have been from three. So that's still like a, tw- that's still a 12% improvement from last year. And right now the breakdown is, is 33% of the shots they're giving up are at the rim and 28% are from three points. So they are still giving up about 40% for mid range, which is what they want. Um, and it's all, again, it's only been two games. Um, but I, I think those are good numbers, right? Like you're still giving up most of your shots in the mid range, which means you are protecting the paint and you're also protecting the three somewhat. Um, so that's why I think it's going to be just the fact that they can play either way means they can adjust to their opponent in the playoffs. And if Grant Williams is shooting like that, they can adjust to it. And I think like that's the big improvement, right? Uh, and I, like I said, they did do that against the Suns, but in other series, we just haven't seen them do that. Um, so if it's part of their and and even when they were doing it against the Suns, sometimes players would get confused and they would give up open threes anyway. I don't know if you remember that. But, oh yeah, um, you know, yeah, I believe at the end of Game Five, the Bucks nearly let the Suns back in because there was confusion about whether they were switching or whether they were dropping. It led to two or three right. straight threes. Right, exactly. So I think if this becomes part of their base offense and um, and and they continue to drill it and they have both options, that that's just going to bode well, bode well for Milwaukee. Um, side note: Giannis is still incredible. Go watch him. <laughs> like I he against the Rockets, man. He was insane. I, I, forty-four points on twenty-one shots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, okay, enough Bucks talk. Um, I guess. Oh, we're snaking, aren't we? So it's me again. Um, my next one. This this kind of goes back to what you were saying in in our last episode. Uh, my next takeaway is, Darian Fox has taken a step. I, I think. I mean, I guess it's not really a takeaway, but I think I think he's taken a step. And for me, what I've seen from the de- on the defensive end has been extremely encouraging. He's also shooting really well, but you know it's been three games. So, um, but if he can be just a better three point shooter, that's really also really encouraging for them. And you know when we've seen players who have played under Mike Brown, the the new coach for for the Kings in the past, say. If you're not playing defense, he's going to pull you. And it's something, you know, Steph has talked about a lot. LeBron has talked about a lot with Mike Brown. And I think Mike Brown working with De'Aaron Fox one-on-one over the summer on what he can improve and what he can improve on defense has been really beneficial, as we've already seen in the first uh, two or three games of the season. Just in the first quarter against the, uh, against the Clippers, he holds his own against Norm Powell in the post. Who's I mean, Norm Powell is not a great post player, but... Uh, he still is um, a little thicker uh, than than De'Aaron Fox, and he ends up blocking um, Norm Powell. Uh, he forced a couple turnovers on inbounds passes, some really nice steals that I saw him make. Uh, good anticipation. Um, he he also he held his own against Marcus Morris in the post and and um, prevented uh, and forced a miss. Um, and th- those are just like specific uh, instances. But overall, you you can see his defensive effort has been higher. Um, and you know, he still has gotten cooked a little bit on certain plays, especially by smaller guys. Um, but just the fact that he is improving in this sense, I think is going to be so good for him as a player in taking that next step into a potential perennial all-star. He's not there yet, um, but he's playing really well. The other thing is similar to Tatum. Um, I think in the paint, he's, he's looked fantastic too with his counters, like similar stuff that Tatum was doing. Um, and his mid-range game is, is, you know, still pretty awesome. So um, I'm really excited. I, I don't know if you've watched much of him this season yet, but I would encourage you to if you haven't. Yeah, I got to watch some more Kings games. I, I haven't watched any any full Kings games yet. I've caught some snippets here and there. But, um, yeah, I like what you said about the three-point shooting. Like, let's not read too much into that. Fox has tricked us before in terms of, I think, yeah, shooting absolutely. like 45% on seven attempts a game right now. If he can just get to that mid to high 30s range, force defenses to think about going under or going over on screens, I think that'll be really important for him. Um, uh, looks like through the numbers here, it looks like he's been passing the ball fairly well. His assist percentage is mm-hmm. very high for his position. And 
a lot of turnovers yeah. to start the season, yeah. but I think I think he's going to figure that. Yeah, out. Yeah, that's going to come a little bit with taking more risks, of course. Yeah, but you, you'd like to see him create a better balance there. Um, it looks like one of the things that you might be alluding to with Mike Brown and defense is that they've they've they're rebounding the hell of the ball in the defensive end, um, allowing the least offensive rebounds in the NBA per per possession. So that's that's very encouraging. Um, Demontis Sabonis. Um, I mean, this is. It looks like he hasn't played great. Have what have what have you seen from him? Sorry, this is slightly off topic, but <laughs> I do think it's important that those two players play well together in order for them yeah. to play well because they're zero and three right now, and they got to get a lot from those two guys. Yeah, you know he hasn't been great, um, but I, I do think I do think he's still figuring out a little bit with Fox, even though you know obviously they played together a little bit last year, um, and if people. If people do start respecting, I think for those two to really work, De'Aaron Fox is going to have to command a little bit of respect from three. Otherwise, you can always just go under the screen, right? With like, Sabonis is not going to pop. Um, yeah. So, uh, pop to the three at least. Um, so, I, I do think that's going to be really helpful if, if Fox continues to shoot, um, you know, just as an average shooter, that'll really help Sabonis. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's, I saw him, I saw him miss shots that I think he'll, he'll start to make um, once the season wears on, shots that he usually makes. Um, you know, he's still doing a really good job of drawing fouls in the post. Um, so I also, I think if he gets his, uh, I, I don't know what he's shooting from, I don't know if you have his numbers in front of you right now, but I don't know what his free throw percentage is right now. Um, but I, I think also if if he gets that up, sixty five percent, and he's a career seventy three yeah. guy, so yeah, should get up exactly. Yeah, so I mean that's like one free throw game more um, when that one point can really help. You know, your aesthetically your averages. So I, I think honestly, it, to me, it seemed more rust than anything else, rather than like fit or scheme. But uh, you know, we'll see. They've had some tough matchups too. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, no, we've seen him play in less than ideal circumstances and still get his numbers and make his teammates better. So I, I think it should right. be able to work. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, they play the Warriors and the Clippers already. So those are those are really tough games for them. Um, but Fox has looked he's looked like he belonged. Right. I mean, he he's looked awesome for them. Uh, there's not much else there either in Sacramento um, that really excited me while I was watching them. Um, except for Keegan Murray, actually, I, I was very impressed with Keegan Murray. He seems like a guy who can, uh, really help Sabonis and Fox. Cause he, I mean, he looks like a great shooter. I, I, I was, I mean, I don't want to say I was surprised, but, um, I was, I guess, pleasantly encouraged that he was just able to drain his open threes, um, when I was watching him. So that's an exciting development for them, for sure. Yeah, Kevin Herter and Keegan Murray have been really efficient, so that can really relieve some yeah, pressure for that two-man sure. game. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what is your last takeaway? Uh, Are we finally doing it? We've avoided it for five questions. Are we going to talk about... <laughs> Mine is Lakers... Yellow and purple. Dot, dot, dot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this team is just a mess, and it's, it's a little bit... So... The first thing I wrote down, and you know, this isn't this doesn't necessarily seem like a bad thing in practice, but before last night's game, or yeah, sorry, yesterday's afternoon's game, which is Sunday afternoon. Sorry for people who are listening. Forty two percent of LeBron's shots were threes, which you know he's a he's sadly one of the best three point shooters, if not the best three point shooter on the team. But it just feels like LeBron can't can't put pressure on the defense every possession for an 82 game season like he like he used to be able to which is you know and, and maybe this we should I, I i should i should have known this because that number has been going up his three-point attempt rate and it's not just that he's taking more threes it's just like sometimes a lot of possessions nothing really happens lebron is forced to take a three or he just pulls up and takes a deep three and it's like you know that he could be creating more efficient offense if he could i mean i don't you know if he was at a place in his career where he could handle getting to into the lane every single time but he can't and especially you know with the spacing with rush that's not going to help him either so the shooting though is obviously going to be the number one thing people talk about they are shooting 21.6 percent from three through their first three games and they're still taking the ninth most in the league by percentage per possession and <laughs> it's just like they just don't have good shooters they don't have good shooters in theory and practice obviously that number is going to go up but 
I mean, LeBron said it after one of the games, you know, you start to wonder if they're, if, if you're open for a reason. I mean, yeah, like that's, it, it's kind of true. And AD is starting and I'll give credit to Darvin Ham, or sorry, starting at the five and I'll give credit to Darvin Ham for that. But um, even that's coming with its trade-off because they're paying for it on the glass. With Anthony Davis as a lone center, they're not getting as many rebounds, which is giving other teams free possessions. And um, you've just got a lot of players who aren't good defenders, aren't good shooters. And I just don't think LeBron is exactly the same guy as he used to be, which is okay. He's he's getting up there. He's had arguably the greatest career in NBA history. Um, and I just... It's, it's just sad. I, I have actually been impressed with AD, but uh, I think he's been actually really good, all things considered, the first three games. Um, but that's a lot. What, 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 do you, what have you seen so far? Well, okay. So I love hating on the Lakers, and the Lakers are terrible. They're, like, one of the worst constructed teams in the NBA. Uh, we'll see if, like, they, they don't even have anyone else active right now that can play the five. So, I mean, he kind of has to play the five. Um, you know, Thomas Bryant, I don't, it's, I don't know when he's coming back or if he's coming back. And then, obviously, Dennis Schroeder's there, too, who might help their shooting. And I think there's really there's two ways to look at it. One, which is where the camp I'm in and you're in, they stink, kind of. <laughs> and they don't, they're poorly constructed. The other is they have played two, the two best teams in the West, arguably. Um, and they've been competitive in in pretty much all three games. I mean, they've all three games have been there, not the Warriors game, but the other two games have been there for the taking um, with historically bad shooting, right? Uh, and, you know, if you're a Lakers fan, you can choose to be encouraged by that. Uh, I, I, I would not be encouraged by that um, because just like you said, well, and also the other thing you could say is LeBron is not hitting his pull-up jumpers, which we expect him to start hitting at least at a, a little bit of a higher clip going forward. Um, but I mean, it, they are just terrible to watch. And Anthony Davis has played well. That was the other thing I wanted to say. He's actually looked really good this season. Um, you know, just like you said, the, the Russ is a real problem, right? And against Portland, he took, uh, two for one up one with 16 seconds left on the shot clock, just a bad mid range jumper. Um, the Lakers went on a big run with him on the bench. And when he came back on, um, they, they lost the lead and they have a real problem with Russ, especially if he's not, if he's pouting on the bench, if he's pouting on the floor and, and someone, uh, uh, some Lakers account pointed this out on Twitter. I, I'm sorry. I don't remember the name, but the two possessions prior to that two for one debacle, um, LeBron and AD respectively took the ball from him and sent him to the corner. And he was kind of had his hands up in the air and was complaining. And then on the possession, he got the ball. He takes that. Um, shot and you know I don't want to like psychoanalyze or do any of that other stuff but he's clearly it seems like he's not happy just based on the post game interviews and, and stuff like that um, and if he's not willing to play on the bench um, or to sit on the bench rather uh, I mean I, I would consider just deactivating him honestly sending him home John Wall Houston doing that type of thing because it's not only the attitude on the floor and, you know, the politics of benching him or not benching him. He has been terrible shooting the ball, finishing, all of that stuff. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, uh, Portland was really interesting because they kind of oscillated between a zone and man. And when they're playing a zone, they just shade two people over to LeBron and, and um, uh, Russ is open in the corner and LeBron has to pass it to him. Russ misses the three, right? Later in the last two minutes and crunch time, they're playing man. They just put Nurkic, Portland just puts Nurkic on Westbrook and keep him in the paint to stop LeBron from driving or to stop from, or to help with AD um, in, in the mid range or, or in the paint. And there's just, there's, there's nothing the Lakers can do. They either have to pass it to Russ or take a bad shot. So it's just such a, and, and to be fair, it is not only him that's shooting poorly, like to be completely fair to Russ. Everyone is shooting like crap on this team. They don't have any good shooters. Um, or as LeBron said, they don't have enough lasers. Um, and, and I, I don't even know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like ranting now. But it, it, is, it is so bad. It is so bad. They had players that complimented these guys and they traded them away and let them walk for nothing. For a worse player on a worse contract that they can't trade now for anything good. And, and if, 
if the Lakers, those picks could be good picks. Those are those could be super valuable. And trading Russ and picks for for Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, if you are like six and fifteen, I mean, what are you doing there, right? Like, what is even the point no, of that? I, at yeah. that? I'm, I'm, I'm starting to think you can't do that. You can't, uh, you gotta, you've just, it's, you'd be mortgaging too much of your future to do that for a team that I don't think is going to have enough, even with those pieces. And, um, yeah, like you said, just everyone's bricking. Pat Bev can't hit a shot right now. Um, I think defensively, I've appreciated the buy-in so far. It looks like everyone's kind of on a string. Everyone's playing a little bit better defense than I expected. AD had six blocks in that game against Portland, I think he's looked super good defensively. Yeah. Um, but you wish that AD is an awesome switch defender, as we saw in the bubble, but you can't really switch with the personnel around him. So a lot of times he's in that drop and you're you're giving space to, to ball handlers to, to hit shots that they, they're comfortable with. Uh, my, uh, you know, my all-star, my prediction, Damian Lillard dropped 41 in that game, uh, <laughs> in that game yesterday. Maybe you should have stayed on All-NBA, dude. Maybe you should have Dude, he's really good. I feel like, yeah, we, yeah, everyone went so far with it. I mean, he had, he was just injured last season and things were a mess, but he's really, really good. Um, and yeah, um, there's not been many bright spots besides AD, who I think has, um, He's he's been using his physicality well. I think he's it, it just I haven't really looked at the numbers, but it seems like he's been taking a, a, some less jump shots and getting downhill a little bit more, using his physicality a little bit more. Um, and I think Austin Reeves like has has just shown a little bit of burst on offense and made good decisions passing the ball. But this I mean this and yeah, so I'll give credit <laughs> to Darvin Ham and and their top two guys. For, for putting for setting the tone on defense because even even LeBron has made some excellent like transition hustle plays on defense too, um, yeah. But offensively, I just don't see how you get there. But it does start with with getting Russell Westbrook out of the starting lineup. I think I think that's that's the low hanging sure. fruit that you can start there. A- a- absolutely, and and to me, the closing lineup should be Pat Bev, Lonnie Walker, who's also been pretty decent actually, um, surprisingly. LeBron, Anthony Davis, and I think that fifth guy. I don't think it should be Austin Reese. I think it should, it should be Troy Brown. Um, because to me, he was the other pretty competent player on the floor against against Portland. Uh, defensively, the decisions he was making, he didn't shoot very well because um, he can't shoot. Uh, but he, he, I think, is a much more useful player than Russ or even, I, even Austin Reeves, who I guess he shot two for four against Portland, I think, uh, from three. I don't know. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess, dude. They, they, I, I don't even understand why LeBron, he signed an extension, right? This offseason? I I don't really get that. Um, But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Who who knows? I mean, I think maybe LeBron's okay with his four titles and whatever, which is, I mean, I mean, you know, that's. No, he's definitely not. You think he. I mean, I, I I feel frustration from him, but I would be shocked if he if he demanded a trade out of the Lakers, I think, or something like that. Well, I don't think he'll demand a trade. I don't think he'll demand a trade. But, um, I mean, L.A. is his home, yeah. right? Uh, so I don't think he'll demand a trade, but I, I definitely think he wanted to get to at least six, right? Uh, definitely. Um, to, to match Michael. Um, so I... We'll see what happens with him, and but it's just sad, right? It's sad to see him at this stage of his career playing better than probably anyone would have thought—not probably better than anyone would have thought at, at this age—and he's still playing like he's still a good, really good player, and the team around him just stinks. Um, and honestly, it's it's on him too, right? Like it's it, it's literally like the Lakers are like clutch sports basketball club. Like they're not, <laughs> you know, it's. It's a lot of his guys that he wanted there. Um, and you, they won a title. So, so, I mean, like, you know. I, they won a title with other guys that that's they got true. rid of. That's true. <laughs> like, that's the problem, But I'm saying, right? like, you I know, mean, we can't necessarily say the AD trade. The AD trade was a, was a win. No, that was a good was trade. A win, right? You won a yeah, championship. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But this team would be 100% they would be better right now with Alex Caruso, KCP, and Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. <laughs> Those like players have looked really good outside of LA. So it was not just a LeBron effect. Those players are good uh, two-way guys, all of them now, with Kyle Kuzma playing better defense in Washington. So, I mean, and, and that even started for the Lakers. So 
Yeah, they, they could have really and those three guys players. would be the best shooters. Those three guys would be the best shooters on the team. <laughs> Even though Kyle Kuzma is not a great shooter. It's true. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I mean... It's... Yeah. They were up by seven with under two minutes left in that game against the Blazers. They had it for the taking. It looked like for most of the game they were up. Um, Dame hit a couple huge shots down the stretch. Uh, and Jeremy Grant with just an awesome finish over Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, to for the game winner. Um, but well, and, and that two-for-one sandwich in there. That, yeah, that of, course. Rust of course. No, they hurt themselves too, but... Uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's sad because, like, it, it, it feels like it's kind of hard to build a roster this bad around... around. Like, I want to see Anthony Davis and LeBron James playing for, for a good team. Like, you know, I don't... I Just personally, like, if we're, if we're literally just stripping it all down and just asking me what I... Do I really want the Lakers to win? No. But it would be cool. It, it's just... It's just... It's just a mess to see these two incredibly talented players, even if they've taken steps back in the last few years play in such an untenable situation like it's just and 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 darvin ham i feel like I, I as a as a former um assistant coach of the bucks i really like the guy it's just it's just i just don't think there's much it's he can impossible. do here yeah it's impossible uh and the thing is again it's not like lebron lebron and anthony davis are actually playing well too i think yeah um so like i mean they're not shooting the three well because anthony davis can't shoot anymore um he hasn't been able to fit for the past few years and lebron again he's getting he's not getting he's not hitting his his pull-ups and he's not right yet and they could just they literally can just again they can just put a center on russ and they can probably do the same thing with pat bev honestly um until he starts shooting well if that's even a possibility so i it's tough. It's tough. I, I do think, you know, there's no, no real need to talk about the Lakers going forward uh, unless they completely turn it around or make a trade um, or, you know, I guess if Russ gets sent home, uh, like those are the times where we can talk about the Lakers. I don't really want to talk about them beyond that, even though even though it is kind of fun. It is fun, you know, crapping on them. Um, but I don't, I, how does Rob Polinka still have a job? I don't know. So Wait, didn't he get extended, or what am I imagining that? Yeah, this offseason, dude. <laughs> what is going on with these teams? Like, the Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury? Like, what is going on? <laughs> uh, all right, should we move to the hidden gem of the week, which is the new Oh, segment? yes. This is a yeah new segment, hidden gem of the week. Uh, the rules for this is... Basically, the rules for the, this are, actually... Um, we're basically going to pick a game that's on League Pass in the upcoming week... Um, that's a hidden gem. Um, so it can't be on national TV. Uh, it can't be a quote-unquote... I mean, I guess we haven't really decided this, but it can't be a quote-unquote marquee matchup. Um, like, I, I think the Cavs are playing the Celtics, which that's like, a, that's like a national TV caliber game, right? You wouldn't be surprised if it was on national TV. Um, so I think those are two good parameters to set. What do you think? We didn't really talk about it. Yeah, no, I think those are two good parameters. Um, I don't think we need to worry about the the Vegas line or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So so I, I know you have a choice. I also I, I I do have a choice now. So let's both nominate one and then we'll discuss it. How about that? Okay, sounds good. Um, I've got the Hawks versus the Pistons on Friday. Um, you've got Dejounte Murray, who's been really good since joining the Atlanta Hawks. That's uh, one of the blockbuster moves of the off season. And you've got Jaden Ivey, who's been very fun to watch. Jalen Duran, of course, the 18-year-old, has also been very exciting to watch for the Detroit Pistons. And you've got Cade Cunningham trying to, despite his inefficiency, trying to figure it out, trying to trying to lead this this offense to good things as they try to make some noise at the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, that's that's my pick. What's yours? Uh, well, uh, can we talk about? Oh, oh yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, we can. Okay, yeah, we can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, we don't we don't have to talk about it extensively, but. Um, I, t- t- I, I'm really excited to watch the Hawks. I haven't watched much of them. Um, if we do end up picking, I mean, I'm going to watch this game anyway, probably. Uh, wait, no, I won't. I'll be on a plane. I will rewatch this game. <laughs> um, uh, cause I-, I, I love the Pistons. Um, they're super exciting to me. Uh, and I just want to see more of them. The Hawks too. I, they've been playing really well and DeJounte has been awesome. Uh, and so has John Collins. Honestly, he's been really good. Um, so, uh, it's interesting to see, uh, do you think they'll trade him? 
or do you think I they'll keep no it? I, I would just lean so because at some point, like, I feel like if you're mentioned so often in trade talks, like, I just feel, I feel like. But he's a good player, right? Who are you going to get back? I have no idea, but I, I, it'll be interesting. I've, I, yeah, I think I've got to watch them more this season to figure out what they really need that can kind of elevate them to, um, you know, that first tier of Eastern Conference teams or even the second, probably. Because I, I, or they're somewhere around there, but it'll be interesting to see to see. Uh, but it, it seems like that backcourt experiment's been been off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, initially, I was gonna say Bucks and Hawks on Saturday, which is also on League Pass. But to me, that's that that's disqualified. That's kind of like a quote unquote. Marquee also, matchup. both teams are um, on the second night of a back to back for that one, so I think that's a that's sneaky true. reason that's not true. to pick a game <laughs> that's true my mine is my nomination is also on friday and it's it's utah versus denver because i think now is the time to watch utah if you're gonna i don't think in two months no one's gonna want to watch utah in my opinion but they're exciting they're three and zero. um you can kind of check out and see what they're doing and they're coming up, up against a really good team denver is you know one of the best teams in the league um and you know you can hopefully see guys like jamal murray and, and michael porter back and you know, Jokic to me is the most fun player to watch right now. I just love watching him play. So you got Nikola Jokic. You got a young team that we thought was tanking. That's exciting. That, that's why that's my nomination. Um. Okay. Counterpoint. They're in the same division, so they're gonna play each other five times. So maybe. Yeah, but 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 by then Utah's gonna suck. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe. But Hawks Pistons. I don't. They might only play twice this year. This could this could be your only. This could be your only shot to, to get right. this matchup. No. Uh, okay. Uh, Fine. We'll, we'll watch both. We'll watch both. I mean, not us, but we'll. we'll <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna say we're go- we're watching both anyway. But why don't we go Hawks Pistons? Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go Hawks Pistons, and then yeah, and then next time on the next episode, we will review that game and also pick our one for the next week. Absolutely. If you have any suggestions for hidden gem of the week, you can email us at clearoutpodcast@gmail.com. You can contact us at Twitter at clearoutpod. Also, you know, what are your guys' takeaways? Let us know. Uh, let us know if you agree with our takeaways or if you want to answer. Um, I guess we only have one question. Right? Oh, I guess you had two questions. We had the Tatum question, too. Uh, if you want to answer the Tatum and um, John Wall questions, uh, definitely reach out to us. If you have questions for us, also reach out to us. Uh, we, also, we always love answering those. But we are going to get out of here. We'll see you guys next Tuesday on Clear Out. <laughs>